it's interesting when we look at the classic style of meetings back probably from the 50s even before possibly it was like okay everybody any old business nope yes okay moving on any new business okay good let's go to it so we're either focusing on the past or the future versus hey what's going on right now Plug into the minds of the world's cutting-edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Welcome to Superhumans at Work by Mind Valley. I'm your host, Jason Mark Campbell. And before we get started, tell me, if you could change anything in your life, what would it be? Would it be your body, your career, your relationships? Thankfully, you don't have to choose. As a Mind Valley member, you'll get instant access to the wisdom of world class personal growth teachers and programs that can evolve you in every way for just $2 a day. Are you ready to make a change? Start transforming your life today at mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. Today, I have not one, but two guests that are joining me, and we're going to be having an amazing conversation when it comes to cultivating a culture of high performance for your team and within organizations. We're going to talk about leadership, and we're really going to focus on one of the arts that might be one of the lost arts of our generation, which is how to be more present, how powerful it is to be more present, and how this affects not only in your personal life, but really has a ripple effect within organizations that you might not be aware of. But once you do, you're going to realize how to nurture this skill, how to apply it in a more effective way, and ensure that your entire team and organization understands the power of doing so. And the guest that I have to share this wonderful talk today is Michael Landers, who is an author, speaker, and the founder of Culture Crossing. Now, he has had a chance to facilitate uh, workshops within businesses in over 30 countries, has worked in over the past 20 years, has facilitated programs with global executives and managers on both leadership and change management, communication, team building, and so much more. And joining us as well is Timothy Duke, who is a veteran psychotherapist, a leadership advisor, and mentor. And Timothy has actually authored a book in the past about the present parent handbook. And today we're going to be talking more about the latest literature that has been put together, which is a present company. How do you bring this art of being present within your organization and really going diving deeper into what is the current problem? What is the situation and what can we do about it? Michael, Tim, welcome to Superhumans at Work. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us. I wanted to dive right into it. And, you know, for people who might be wondering presence, like, okay, I've, I might've heard, you know, maybe in my personal relationships, people are saying like, you're not, you're never here. You don't feel like you're present. And this might be more of a close to home kind of example, but I'd be curious to know what is this phenomenon that we're seeing in the business? Is this even being talked about? Because this is the first time I hear the word presence being really anchored to the organization and to leadership. For years, I've been hearing about mindfulness right, in the business context. Mindfulness from a Buddhist perspective is one way of defining it is giving oneself to the moment. You give yourself to the moment, right? And instead of worrying about the past or planning for the future, you learn to feel at home in the present. So feeling at home in the present moment is being able to 
transition out of the previous meeting into this meeting, cross through the threshold that all of us have to transition multiple times every day. There's one key factor that happens is that we, many people are exhausted, right? And they end up bringing exhausted aspects of themselves to the meeting, right? And it's tough to blame anybody for that because it's the sure demand for your, for your commitment to time. But can, through this practice and the, these principles that Michael and I discuss, when you bring your exhausted aspects of yourself to a meeting, you actually dissipate the potential. Right? You dissipate it. And with awareness, with being authentically attuning and empathically attuning to the moment, you can connect. And it's in those connections that we can renew ourselves. So this is a self-renewing process, being present. It doesn't take energy. It's an opportunity to receive energy. I wanted to elaborate on this because you mentioned about this fact that a lot of us are exhausted. And you know, for those who just went through the year 2020, a lot of change, a lot of uh, shifts. And I don't want to beat on the old drum for that. But at the same time, yeah, it seems there is a lot of exhaustion. And I'd be curious to know, where do you see being the main symptoms that are causing this exhaustion? I don't know if, if before the pandemic, we weren't exhausted, Jason, maybe we just uh, weren't as cognizant of it, right? Maybe for many of us having to deal with that external stressor of the pandemic and then being forced to stay at home exacerbated the exhaustion uh, being exhausted. The other thing that what I saw, at least for myself as well, is some people were busier than they were before, right? Some people at work had more meetings, right? Or if you, if you lost work, then that's an exhaustion in itself trying to find work and trying to recognize how do I survive, right? But I do think burnout's been a real thing for lots of people in companies around the world. We're seeing more and more of that. That's affected, obviously, mental health. And that's starting to become more and more of a thing to recognize for people, which is good, you know, somewhat delayed from my personal opinion, but important. And so it's interesting, the exhaustion for me personally comes from an overwhelming amount of data, so much data, more information than we've ever had available to us as humans as we know it. And it keeps on coming and it doesn't stop. And being at home for me and being on the computer more than ever during the pandemic, more and more data. And we lost a lot too. Some people lost jobs, some people lost their experience, but we almost, all of us lost our transitions. Tim and I talk about, we lost the permission to transition from moment to moment. Many of you had commutes you may have gone through, and maybe you listened to great podcasts like Jason's during your commute. <laughs> and now where did that go? And we have Zoom to Zoom to Zoom for many people, right? So Tim and I talk about the greatest stressors that happen to people, right? Happen in times of transition. Yeah. The other side of that is that I don't, it's sort of fresh in our discussions and and the in the transition, there are moments of solitude that people used to have, unconscious solitude, where you're just left alone, right? And it was in that solitude, there's a term used by Roki, it's called fertile solitude. In solitude, in a sense, we incrementally make space for ourselves. There's room to be just for a moment. A client who loves his BMW and was a 30-mile commute straight down the highway, he'll get in, as you mentioned the other day, I think you have a client too, Michael, that he'll get in his car and he'll drive to work and back just for the solitude of getting away. He gets up early 
drives to the office, turns around, comes back home, sits down in his home office. And so it's in solitude that we've, we've lost. It's weird because we're isolated, right, from one another. But there is some aspect of solitude that I think we can explore. I find that interesting because a lot of people, you know, we were all wishfully thinking that, oh, my God, if I could work from home, it would be so much better. And it was almost like a, a distant dream before this pandemic happened. And now that we've gotten it, there's been some unintended consequences. And this commute is actually one that I hadn't heard about. But makes so much sense because now you don't have that key transition time. And this seems to be, you know, the, the case where now that we're at home, it's almost like we're expected to be on 24-7. There's not even a transition when it comes to the space of where we live, where we work. And so that's been leading. I'm seeing some of our guests that are on our call, like Aduka here, who's talking about working 100 hours a week. And these barriers have all become fuzzy. That, that seems to be a challenge. And so I, I'd love to know as a leader within an organization or as an individual who wants to practice self-leadership in the process, where do I get started with recognizing that this might be an issue, this might not be sustainable, and how do I start applying some of these ideas when it comes to presence? One thing we can look at is just back to the transitions, right? How are you moving moment to moment, right? Are you recognizing your next moment that's coming and the moment that you're leaving? And let's just, again, if we're going to go to the meetings thing, if, if, that's, if that might resonate with people, that's a great start, right? It's interesting when we look at the classic style of meetings back probably from the 50s, even before possibly, it was like, okay, everybody, any old business? Nope. Yes. Okay. Moving on. Any new business? Okay, good. Let's go to it. So we're either focusing on the past or the future versus, hey, what's going on right now? Right. And so one thing that, we, that you could look at is when you make that transition, take a moment to look at what you're leaving. And Tim talks about this, a threshold. What are you entering? And when you enter that new meeting or that next space that you're going to, are there people that are already there that you're going to be meeting? Are you entering into a space that's already in existence? You recognizing the impact that you're going to have as soon as you enter that space. Right. And those, those are small moments that you can start to kind of center yourself and recognize it's bigger than you, right? To allow for that. Tim, what else about the threshold? So I wanted to actually throw a curveball here, which is that I, you know, being part of Mind Valley, definitely there's some awareness I have about how powerful mindfulness practices are, how the power of slowing down can be extremely beneficial for you to be able to have your mind in the right place when you're at work. But I was going to ask, when you work with companies, like what are the types of things you can suggest and kind of sell to your leadership team about why you need to slow down? Because in effect, we're talking about slowing down. And it almost seems like with a rapid pace, as Michael was saying, with the information that just keeps coming and coming, it's almost like you're being carried by the rhythm of the company and you don't even feel like you have that permission to slow down, which is probably what's going to be the most beneficiary for you to be more present and effective. But some people might be judging it, like maybe people wouldn't want to have that kind of gap in between the meetings. How do you start introducing that idea? And what do you usually tell to your leadership team when you're saying, hey, this isn't working for me, I'm working too many hours, I'm not having these transitions, I need to be more present. How do you define that better to get to be able to implement it? Imagine that you're on a street corner and your job is to count cars, okay? So you're there and they're whizzing by from the right, they're whizzing by from the left, your head's going to the left and to the right. And you're counting as best you can, writing it down. And then, but it's tedious and exhausting. 
If you take 200 steps back into a field and you have exactly the same behavior, it's so much easier because you watch the stream of cars go by, right? From the left, from the right. So we're talking about proximity. Can you change your proximity to the task at hand? And the way you do that is you cultivate a greater capacity for awareness. It isn't really that you slow down. That capacity allows for a tremendous amount of shift in consciousness so that you imbibe the moment with, with more awareness, more energy, and actually become much more productive as a result of that. So proximity, shift of state, and just finally, I think it's really important to whatever degree you're kind of playful with yourself, don't lose that, be playful. You know, figure this thing out the way you do it. And listen to the rest of us because we're all trying to solve similar problems. But, you know, none of us can really tell an individual the best way to be. I was just going to say, Jason, it's interesting, the slowing down bit, right? With one team that we worked with at the executive level, they were having meetings weekly with the executive team that were going over every time in like four hours, right? They were supposed to be one hour and they'd end up being four hours every week. And that's a lot of money just from the time of the executives that are there. And so we started to work with that team and we heard from them. They're like, our meetings are too long. It's just, you know, this is, this is a lot, this is a waste of time for us. We don't get anything done. And so putting in the present company process that we did with them made that meeting one hour and that saved them time. It didn't slow it down, believe it or not. But what they did do was really connect with each other, check in, not displace things into the meeting. And that allowed for production to be even better with less time. I just saw Iceland release their, their research. I don't know if you saw this. They just finished a, a case study with four-day work weeks with tremendous success, more productive, right? And this is the second country that's done it recently. And they had more production in a 36-hour work week than a 40-hour work week on a four-day, right? And so the idea of slowing down, you know, there's taking a whole day out of work and you're being more productive. So I really think that there's room for that and it doesn't have to, we can slow down in terms of us, of us taking time to transition, but in that connection, we can be more productive and, and we've witnessed that with teams, just meeting to meeting by doing a few things. Before we continue, I just wanna tell you a little bit about Mindvalley membership. For all of you personal development junkies like me out there, growing in one area of your life just isn't enough. That's why we made Mindvalley membership to bring you the best personal growth programs on the planet so you can evolve every day in every way. Whether you wanna get crazy fit, build a business, or manifest more money in your life, there's a quest for that. And now you can access every single one for just $2 a day. So if you're striving to become the best self and live the life you deserve, try out Mindvalley membership at mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman. I love it. And you know, this is really what I want to make sure that we highlight is for anybody who's listening to this and wants to be able to communicate this to the leadership team. Studies are coming up that are supporting the slowing down. But at the same time, as Tim mentioned, is it's not even about slowing down. It's really about just showing that taking a different perspective allows you to be even more effective. And so I really like this. And I wanted to maybe transition over and speak about what are these four powers of presence. So I know presence is the anchor to the work that you publish. And I'd be curious to know, what are these things that we could nurture as far as abilities to make us be more powerful in our presence when it comes to coming into organizations and leading them? 
Yeah. So when we look at the four powers of presence, first off, everybody has the ability and most likely has had the experience utilizing them, right? So this is all something that we already do and we can do more of. We just tried to shape them in a way to, to make them feel a little bit more real. And our first power is, is this idea of an induction. And I'll, I'll just tell a, a quick little story, an experience that maybe people have had. I'll give a couple of different ones. But if you've ever gone to a symphony or if you've ever seen a symphony or been to a symphony or an orchestra, you get in there and you sit down in your chair and you might be listening to the musicians kind of tuning their instruments. So it's a cacophony, all these different sounds of the instruments being tuned. And then all of a sudden someone walks out and you hear a tap, tap, tap. And it's the conductor tapping on the podium and everyone stops. And if you're in the audience, that's your moment to transition, to be ready for the music to come. And that in itself is an induction into the next moment. If you've flown on the airplane right after the flight attendant says, or the pilot says, flight attendants prepare for departure. And you get that moment before the thrusters kick in and you're moving off to take off. That's another moment of induction. Or if you enter a, a sports arena to watch a game, right when you see the pitch or the field for the first time, those moments of induction are key to start you into this presence. Go ahead, Jason. You know, what's interesting is uh, for those of you who listen to the podcast that are Mind Valley members, they'll probably notice that every time we transition into the podcast recording mode, I actually do introduce a bit of that transition, which is actually me taking a deep breath. And I don't know if you've witnessed that while we started here, but every time I want to switch from just a casual conversation to get into podcast mode, that induction, that transition is one of my most important rituals that I do when I, I record these shows. And to me, it's just because I have to switch on. And so this is something anybody can use and nurture, which is really having some sort of anchor transitionary type of activity to do. Would there be examples of things that we could use in the workplace? The induction really frees everyone from a self-limiting pattern. Whatever was going on, as Michael was describing before the tap of the baton, is gone, literally, the moment that orchestra starts playing. So how is that possible that you step out of in that context so fully, whatever your concerns were, to emerge fully present for what, what's transpiring. And most people make that transition unconsciously. So the question is, what, Michael? How do we make inductions in the workplace, right, on the meeting? Like, what's an induction that we use for teams, right? Sure. Yeah, one classic one is the uh, step-in process or check-in process. Yeah. You take a moment and go invite everyone to tell us where you're coming from. Right in the beginning, when you closed your eyes and you, it almost like you did a little prayer or something, right? Right before you transition into the podcast, close your eyes. There was a full breath coming in and out. That's something that's probably been around for a very long time, as you mentioned. Well, all of us have those, right? I remember, I think it was Rod Steiger and all that jazz. And he was just a total mess before he went on stage in the film. But he's at some point, they tapped on the door and it was time for him to go on stage. And he looks in the mirror and just transforms into it's showtime, right? So what is your showtime? How do you step into uptime, up as a teacher of mine used to call it? Out of whatever you're dealing with, into the next moment, fully to relate to everything around you, not just what's consuming you internally, right? Uptime is when you're, when you're responsive to the context and the people you're with in such a way to keep that moving forward. 
not displacing what's undigested and making you miserable on the inside. And that's the point, right? Like icebreakers are, are, are things that people use to um, start meetings, which can be really helpful, especially if it's a new group. But one of the things that ta- Tim's talking about with the check-in and a step-in, let's say, Jason, is where you're coming from. And if it's a team that's open to each other, and if I, even if it's the three of us, we're talking, we're like, hey, Jason, good to connect with you today, Tim. And we said, hey, so wh- what's going on? Where are you coming from today? And I shared something like, oh, you know, I didn't sleep so well last night. My dog was sick. And Tim maybe shared something about his son coming to visit. And Jason maybe said, well, it just just started raining. So the the leak in the roof. So I might be a little distracted. Just each of us, not that the case is, but just by doing that, whatever I'm carrying, I get to just share with the people, they hear it. And so if I don't share that, maybe I carry that with me the whole time during the meeting and it comes out passive aggressively in other ways, right? So allowing for that space is an induction of sorts. And it's a simple thing. It might, for people listening, be like, oh, that's kind of easy to do. But when, when it's done well, this is the fascinating thing from what we found the last year working together is when it's done well, we see the efficacy of the meetings double, triple, or quadruple. When it's not done at all, the opposite happens. And we've able to see like a control group where, where the same group, the same people don't do a good check-in where the meeting goes. Same group, same people do a good check-in where the meeting goes. So that's a small little thing to induce people to be together. And that induction, when it's done well, allows a second power that we talk about, which is awareness. Yeah. So I just want to wrap up on the induction part here. So I think any kind of ritual that people can do that supports either transitioning into the moment, connecting with everything else that's happening right now in the room with the people. But even if you're by yourself, this could even be like putting a song that goes on when you're going into focus time, right? Like any of these triggers that can help you get into that space of presence of whatever task is at hand. If it's a meeting, I love the check-in process. I love we even have Hillary here, one of our members suggesting the fact that she does some icebreakers, which was mentioned already, but just making sure you have that powerful induction just allows you to have that transition that is firm, concrete. It happened, which makes you at least put the cards on the table, let go what was previous, step into the new. And now, as you mentioned, the second pillar being awareness, please share more about the awareness power. So we'll go back to the orchestra, Jason, right? Tap, tap, tap. I'm ready for the music. And then at that moment, after that induction, I'm so aware of the music. I'm really in that moment. So there's an awareness. One of the things that we look at is I'm aware of what's present, right? What's there for me to kind of take in. And I'm aware of myself. I'm aware of the other people. And the third, the third level there, Tim, is, I'm going to say if I say this right, I'm aware of you, your awareness of me. Is that right? Yeah, that we don't exist in isolation. So when we're in a meeting and whatever the intention is to connect, it can be fully well-intended. There's a potential for a feedback loop if you pay attention, if you're present. And the four pillars that we talk about are the induction, awareness, and authentic connection. Those are the four. And it's in that connection that you have infinite amount of uh, information about how you're being received. You're aware that the other person is aware of you. Even if you're not, it's a good way to proceed. Imagine being in the woods and you go into the woods to enjoy the trees. Well, what if you go into the woods to be enjoyed by the trees as a little practice? What we're looking at is how do you not just 
be sustainable in your participation. Sustainability means it can go on indefinitely, right? Well, what goes on indefinitely, really? But if it's regenerative, it goes on until it strikes an accord with another form of life, your partner, your team, your family. And it's that reciprocal engagement that happens where we, we gift our attention, we put our awareness into the situation, and then we stay open to receive life as it unfolds in relationship to our participation. And once that kicks into gear, that has a life of its own. It is self-perpetuating. Really all that's required is, it's simple, but it's difficult to achieve and it's a willingness to feel. You know, and that, we don't just get to feel the good stuff. We gotta feel the sorrow too. And I mentioned opened up earlier with a broken heart. Sometimes what you're aware of when you're with other people is heartbreaking, it's difficult. But if you can receive that empathic information and keep your heart open, you struggle a bit, but that's where life is authentic. And one thing, Jason, I remember this, uh, I don't know if you remember sharing this years ago, but you were like, you're going to paraphrase a quote from you, which was humanity is sticky. Once it gets on you, it's hard to get off. I love it. And I see here we go. I've already touched on all of the pillars at the same time here talking about you know, induction was that transition. We're talking about awareness of so being so much more present of what's happening. And I love that Tim's actually expanding on the fact that as soon as you're aware, you're realizing that you're not in a vacuum. There's other things happening that are also witnessing you. And that kind of brings um, that beautiful fact that we are being connected. We are connected to everything else. And being aware of that fact, again, is something that makes you super present. And this this idea of authenticity, I mean, we, you, you touched on it very lightly, but maybe I'd want to expand more on this, is how does this translate into authenticity? So if I'm aware of me, I'm aware of you, and then I'm aware of you of me, the opportunity for me to be authentic in that awareness and share maybe even be more vulnerable, expanse. So when we see this in practice where we do inductions with teams, which forges awareness of themselves and of the other people in the meeting, when it comes time to share how they're feeling or if they disagree, we see a higher level of that. And once that's there, connections allowed to, to happen. And that's kind of where you have presence when those four. Now, mind you, each, each power is powerful in itself. If you just start to do more inductions in your life, more mindful inductions, more regular, you'll see a difference. If you're able to connect it to become aware, which will offer authenticity in that connection, then you have the chance of being more present, more regularly, but they're powerful each individually. So that's kind of where the authenticity comes from. And we see that happen. It doesn't mean you can't be authentic without them, Jason, but what we do see is when an induction is done and when awareness is allowed to kind of be in the light people tend to be more authentic. They're willing to risk, quote unquote, authenticity. And that's in search of vulnerability, in search of truth, which leads to connection. I wanted to just maybe throw this out and suggest that induction seems to be actually a powerful catalyst to the rest of the model. Like the moment you have that induction, it's almost like that can be a powerful anchor to remind you of the power of being aware of your present to really step into that presence and then realizing that you can make a choice to show up very authentically and that you are there to connect with people. Is this how that the models often works is the induction becomes a kind of catalyst to bring you back into the presence? Sure. That's where the opportunity lies inside of that transition space in that induction. Something I find very reassuring in my experience, it's reality, the truth, the harder reality actually, is that 
when you're with other human beings, all things are communicated. It really, we're not that mysterious from one another. It's not that difficult to, to know what somebody's feeling or thinking, right? And so there, the other side of that, there's nowhere to hide. If you think you can hide from awakening beings, think again, right? So if you're in a room and you're with a team and you're developing and growing and awakening and transforming, there is a fundamental assumption, even an agreement, that we're aware of one another and we have permission to be seen, to be experienced. Everybody that you relate to can't be wrong, right? Every individual listening to this have probably a number of people in your life that accept you for who you are and relate to you and like you it's because they see who you are to varying degrees in depth. So in leadership and teams, it's like you walk into that meeting, you can try to hide, but increasingly, particularly with technology, particularly with all the work people are doing individually and collectively, we're beginning to reveal our commonality, you know, how much we're already fundamentally connected. And it's in presence that that fundamental connection, there's an emergent quality. It, it will inform us as to the depth of our connection and who we are with one another and what our purpose is. We don't have to manufacture it. We don't have to even learn it because it's sitting right in front of us. I think that's such a powerful way to end this conversation because really it's almost like we need to remember our power in our presence. And I think with people that are yourselves that are actually advocating for this, we're already seeing that this is going to make a huge impact for so many companies around the world. And for individuals who are actually at a point of just feeling very burnt out, I'm hoping this episode for those tuning in has given you a clue on how to take a breath, maybe create an induction moment for yourself right now so that you can get back into a place of being more aware bringing up your authenticity and reconnecting with the people around you. And it doesn't matter if you're in a leadership position or not, but you always have a choice to self-lead yourself. And I would highly encourage anybody who wants to go deeper into the topic to pick up a copy of Present Company or Cultivating Cultures of High Performance in Teams and Organizations. Because what we talked about today was really the fact that more than ever now that we're working from home, transition times have been taken away from us, whether it was through the commute, as Michael was mentioning, or even between meetings, how we're jam-packing our days with so much more things that are expected from us. And we're standing two feet from everything that's a problem and not seeing the bigger picture. And as Tim was mentioning, is it's time to step back. And this power of presence is really going to be your superpower that allows you to be able to claim back your freedom and really show up more powerfully, more productive, and less burned out while you're in the organization yourself. I think the most powerful tool that you can all use right from now is really this power of induction, which is really creating these transition moments for yourself and everything else within the four powers of presence that trickles from that around the awareness, the authenticity, and the connections. If you've been a listener to this podcast, these are things that we often talk about, but I'm really excited that now you can think about if ever you wanted to be more authentic, you wanted to practice more awareness, you wanted to feel more connected with your team, Use this amazing power of creating this induction moment that Tim and Michael have shared today. I think this is going to be your greatest takeaway that you can take action on now and create these fun transition moments for yourself, which you'll actually be able to even share with others what you've learned and how much it brings relief, more presence, more happiness, and more productivity at the same time. I just want to take a moment to say thank you so much, Michael. Thank you so much, Tim, for putting this work together and sharing it with the audience here at Superhumans at Work. This is going to be something I'm going to be taking away and making more present whenever I'm using these transition moments to really make sure that I can show up as my full self in the process. Thank you so much. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you haven't signed up already, 
be sure to check out Mindvalley membership. Besides getting unlimited access to our top-rated programs and trainers, you'll also join an incredible supportive community on our new Connections app. This is basically a global campus where you find like-minded friends, mentors, and accountability partners from around the world online or get together at local meetups. If you want education that connects you with kindred spirits and transforms you from the inside out, join the tribe at mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman today. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.